0: Hi, and welcome to episode 4 of the Laser Podcast. This week we discuss stretchable ionic transparent conductors, and then we interview Dr. Benjamin Tippett from the Titanium Physics Podcast to talk about po- the political situation in Canada that's caused some scientists to protest. Then we discuss the United States government shutdown and how that's affecting scientists. This week's show ran a bit long, we were recording for almost three hours, but we ended up cutting the final show down to about an hour by cutting off the last story. We will release that last story as its own separate Laser Pulse episode next week. Hope you enjoy it. Introductions again because we did them without you and that wasn't very <laughs> reasonable. No. Oh <laughs> So, uh, hi everyone. Welcome to the Laser Podcast. I'm Cameron Copus, and this week we have Emily, who's been on the show before. Hi. And Alex, who's also been on the show before. Hello. These two were on episode one, and we have a new co-host who's Greg. Hi. Hi, Greg. Do you want to uh, give your give a little bio about yourself, Greg?
1: I'm just a PhD candidate researcher over at Arizona State University within the, um, what's known as the Advanced Applied Materials Lab, where we do a lot of work with organic photovoltaic solar cells and organic light emitting devices. And you play with knives? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hmm? I'm just oh. sure that was a knife. It sounded like <laughs> it knives. Had a knife sounded. That they was really good sound quality. Yeah, there, we'll there are actually two butter knives sitting here in the cubicle yeah, gathering should, dust. You should put those yeah. down. <laughs> it, put it
2: sounds like prepping for <laughs> a five-star dinner there. They're butter knives.
0: Yeah, yeah but they're butter. loud. True. So anyway, the first paper we're going to talk about is coming out of Harvard, and it was published in Science in August 2013. The title is Stretchable Transparent Ionic Conductors, and the two primary authors were Christopher Keplinger and Jiang Yun-sun, who I think were either grad students or postdocs at Harvard in this research group.
1: Interesting. This did is one of the ones you forwarded earlier, right? Correct. Did you read it? I believe I did. That's... I think so. There was a video. I think you would remember it. Oh, shit. Was that one of the ones... Never don't, mind.
0: Don't worry about it. Anyway, <laughs> the... The the basic premise behind the the paper was that they built this stretchable, transparent ionic conductor. So it just looks like a sheet of saran wrap, basically, in the picture. And yet it's it's conductive. And uh, the video demonstration that they put up on YouTube that got a lot of hits and kind of made this paper popular was of them making a speaker out of it. And they were playing music from a YouTube video using this speaker that they made in the lab. Out of this transparent material, so that's that's kind of cool. Uh, okay.
2: <laughs> it had pretty good, uh, pretty decent sound quality, yeah. but I I don't, I wasn't sure if that was a reflection of one, my laptop's abilities or not. <laughs> yeah,
0: I think they recorded it with a webcam. So one thing I'm curious about. They did. Um,
3: maybe you've you found it in this in this paper, but. Do they talk anything about how many work cycles these things can handle? Meaning if you stress, just strain it back over and over again. How much can it take before it starts to
0: degrade? They didn't talk about the work cycle, but the way I understand that it works is that it's a gel Electrolyte with ions in it. So it's just like a saltwater electrolyte or saltwater gel. You could use saltwater on it. This is actually that. Um, with electrodes on the edges. So when they made the circle, the electrode was on the edge and that's where they put the voltage across. And the whole middle was just this gel. So because the ions never actually cross the barrier into the electric circuit, it should be able to keep going forever unless there's some sort of structural reconstruction. Right. I'm but talking about mechanical. Yeah, because it's, it's a also liquid cool about ion. dielectric breakdown. The dielectric. Pretty easy to avoid. Di- uh, the dielectric breakdown should be long-term, because that wasn't flexible. Was The dielectric was solid. Okay. It was just around the edge, so that's where they connected the the electrodes and the dielectric there. I, see. Um, hmm. I think the-, the main problem that they talked about was that it could dry out, and when it's not liquid on the inside, the okay. electrolytes can't move around as easily, and that's kind of stops transport. So basically, well, they- yeah.
1: It's pretty easy to fix. You can just have like metallic contacts kind of hidden somewhere, like on the edge of the device. And then as long as everything else is sealed up, then it should stay. You could keep it sealed and have it stay wet for a long time.
0: Yeah, this particular one, I don't think they encapsulated though. I think this was just a test of the of the electrolyte. It was probably easier that way. Yeah, yeah encapsulation techs work. Definitely. So the way this one works is, I guess we should probably explain what any of that is. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so stretchable and transparent are pretty self-explanatory. Yes. <laughs> you can stretch it around and it still works, and it is transparent to visible light. So it's not necessarily transparent everywhere, but they said that it's 99% transparent in the region of light that we can see. Is it edible? Uh, probably. Good. That's prob- all I care about. Probably
1: edible. <laughs> <laughs> Speakers, you can eat. I, I imagine that'll sell so well. Yeah. Well, why not? You always had to replace them. Oh That's my god! Really just, I want to be feelings. able to eat everything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a laptop, you can eat. A bicycle. A, well, there was that guy who it's ate totally. a bicycle. He had yeah, a plane Alex too. Alex wants
2: to live in the candy kingdom. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, talk too to tough. the the evil witch in the forest that yeah. tried to eat Hansel and Gretel. Yeah. Yeah, the house made of gingerbread. Who or the fudge the guy in that in that ball? game,
3: Candyland. Or the fudge, the in man, Candyland, candy trapped by the fudge man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's sticky encasing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, his name's gonna bug me. I forget yeah. the fudge man. He had a fudge. name. He
0: had he definitely. Did they all name Who knows?
1: All right. Anyway, okay, whatever. Should okay. explain this. So, uh,
0: an ionic conductor.
1: Uh, an ionic conductor is just when you have. Like, for example, with say a saltwater gel, you've got uh, the mobile sodium and chlorine ions. They're in solution and they're charge carriers. They're not like they're not just electrons by themselves. Each like the charge carrier is just an electron, an extra electron or on a chlorine atom or a chlorine ion, or you could say the electron hole, which is basically represented by a sodium ion. And since you can have those migrating from one electrode to another, then you're capable of conducting electricity.
0: Yeah. That's that's pretty. So you have to actually conduct the whole ion itself. Yeah, so it's it be, it's right. a lot slower yeah. than an electronic conductor because you're moving an entire atom with the right. extra or missing electron. Uh, but it conducts electricity just as well. Most of our body is ionic conductors. Mm. Uh, your your brain is actually. I don't think there are any yeah, electronic right. conduction conductors in your body. Mm. Everything is ionic. So obviously, it's fast enough. Yeah, <laughs> there were there were some concerns I, when I was reading the article. People were commenting that, oh, it's not going to be applicable because ionic conductors are too slow for biomedical applications, which is strange because your body is made out of ionic conductors. Do our nerves stretch at all, you know?
2: assume so. Everything plumbles. but your skeleton um, is pretty uh, flexible. In the body, it you wouldn't believe stretches. how yeah. elastic blood vessels actually are.
1: Total derailment. It's Gloppy the Molasses Monster, who is renamed to Gloppy the Chocolate Monster in the 2010 <laughs> edition. The <That's> Chocolate Beast. <laughs> of course. Thank you, Greg. Yes. <laughs> Had to do it. On his on For his throne Anyway, it. blood
0: vessels. Blood, sh- blood vessels. <laughs> yeah, they're all. They're all. Stretchy. But yeah. blood vessels aren't speakers. No. So that's kind of... Yet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> My
0: blood sings. My blood sings for vengeance. <laughs> so an, this it isn't is a metal song, Greg. I'm it's sorry. a
2: true song of your soul. But
0: this is actually really cool. It is really cool. Wow. Uh, so the way that they made the speaker is by putting these these electrodes. So when you, when you have the sheet flat... When you, when you have the sheet flat, there's, on the edge, they put the metal electrodes on the top and the bottom with a dielectric insulator in between the, the sheet and the electrode on the bottom half. Mm-hmm. That's not really important. Yeah, so it's like a sandwich, yeah. but just on the edge. And then when they put a current across, or I'm sorry, when they put a voltage across that, that sheet and across the electrodes, what happens is that the ions all move to the sides so all the, all the ions in the system will move to the the positive and negative sides, and that makes the thickness of the film shrink down. So it's like shrinking and getting longer. If you had a rectangle, it would get it would become that strain is bigger due to the electrostatic force, just because of right. the the ions moving. And, yeah, the whole thing moving. So right, that's how they were a capacitor. Yeah, they were. It has a little me, bit of capacitance. I was
3: telling you earlier that I had worked on something like this for my these my senior project.
0: Uh-huh, what was
3: that? And they were they were not conductive in the same way it was basically something that was incompressible it was an incompressible very very um high dielectric constant polymer and it's pretty much just from the force of the the like a carbon grease you could put on either side the force of those attract each other because it's a capacitor Uh would cause the strain and because it was basically incompressible the volume would remain the same so it would get thinner and it would move outwards so it was the same kind of thing. It probably was not nearly as efficient as this, is, though because you're actually
0: you couldn't make a speaker out of it. Yeah, it would it would have
3: been slower. Well, I think that the the main issue is is that it probably requires way higher fields.
0: What yours did? <laughs> yeah, probably
3: requiring way higher
0: fields. <laughs> yeah, these fields were they said as low as a volt.
3: Yeah, I'm talking. I think the fields I was using were up to like eight kilovolts. Okay. For micrometer strains.
0: So, oh, right. <laughs> so they were getting <laughs> not that good. They were getting, let's see, the film is like I think hundred microns thick, so one hundred micrometers. So that's about the thickness of a hair. Yeah. Yes, actually. it's that's close the, to that's the thickness the estimate. of, yeah, of an out. average human hair. Unless you have Viking hair. Unless you have Viking hair, of course,
3: <laughs> three or four times the thickness.
0: <laughs> and they were able to achieve a <laughs> hundred. No, blonde. blonde
1: hair is actually thinner. Is it? Yeah. Okay. It's like, are you saying all Vikings are blonde? Yeah, that's racist. Yeah, it's because I'm racist. You're <laughs> <I'm laughs> just gonna that's jump that's the
0: gun. What are you insinuating? <laughs> Vikings have inferior, inferior hair, huh? Thinner. Didn't thin- say it was long, long inferior. Hair thin- inferior? I- <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Whoa. Wow. wow. <laughs> anyway, they hit this one strand of Viking hair. thick... <laughs> <laughs> thick sheet of ionic conductor they were, and, and a voltage across it, they got 167% strain. So they made a little heart shape for one one experiment, and when they put the, the voltage across it, it just got bigger by 167% strain. So that is basically, it's one and a half times larger than it was originally. Right. So that's kind of cool. With that, That's actually probably where the most application is, is. I mean, I don't know how many people really care about transparent speakers. Yeah, it's cool, but it's not. It's cool it's yeah, it's a
2: modern home but I
0: think that this ability to strain itself so much is what's useful is so you'll be able to make a lot of uh, bio actuators yeah and things yeah. like that that yeah. so applications that could actually go inside your body and replace muscles tiny actuators too and create Probably create small very ones yeah. tiny little machine type things and because this is just it's basically just an electrolyte gel you can encapsulate it in anything so it's probably pretty biofatal too at least the inside is. At it. least the inside is, mm-hmm. yeah. So is you just have me? to choose biocompatible materials on the outside. Uh, it, it has the potential to last a long time, especially if it's in a moist environment like inside your body, uh, because the main problems are would be that the liquid would dry out, which probably won't happen inside you, or if it's encapsulated properly, or that the they start to mix. The electrode and the,
2: body the
0: heat. ionic conductors start to mix, so heat could probably affect, affect that.
2: I mean it depends on how what sort of temperatures the materials can stand. But
0: we don't have too big of a heat temperature fluctuation. No. Yeah, it's not us. that bad. We no,
2: it's not the fluctuation itself, it's just is it good at that temperature? Can it
0: function water well at that degrees, temperature? Yeah. Water is still liquid at that temperature. And I don't it doesn't so. really it's not really that hot. It's, it's like yeah, ninety eight yeah, degrees is not yeah. ninety eight Fahrenheit, not very much. So I don't know, I wouldn't be worried about the temperature. Just the dielectric and
1: the electrodes breaking down. I can't
0: think of anything else. Uh,
1: they said that they don't. Play. Go ahead. Uh, I was saying, well, the article actually mentioned, mentions uh, using it for uh, localized haptic feedback. So that's kind of a thing where you can have it be on a smartphone screen or a TV screen or like a computer screen. And say if you set that kind of speaker up with, say, about the precision, about like the same precision as display pixels, on um, like a wi- like a wire of parallel wires going vertically, and then. A- in an array of parallel wires going horizontally, you could actually set this up so it only vibrates in one particular portion of the screen. So you touch a screen and it vibrates right there. Oh, so you have like a, a
0: mesh on top and, and below it as the electrodes instead of the metal being around the edge. Yeah, you'd possibly have of, this oh, on, that on might, the surface of a screen. It might get rid of some of the effectiveness, though, because it wouldn't be as stretchable if you have... The el- electrodes usually aren't. Also, mm-hmm. your screen is then gelatinous. That would be kind of cool.
1: Important detail is that all of a sudden you have a screen where you touch it and it vibrates right there. Like you can have a button right. that looks like a button and even feels like a button, even though it's just a virtual button.
0: Oh yeah, no, I totally get That's, that.
1: that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's,
0: <laughs> it, it would add a uh, a degree of real realty or realism to... Yeah. Reality. Realty. realty. Realism. Sure. Add on. a degree of realty to... Uh, just it, it just did it again. just <laughs> real, did it would add real estate to real your phone. Real <laughs> st- It would add a degree of realism to pressing something like a button. I mean, we already have to have the click sounds that
1: sound audible or else people won't yeah. realize that they're clicking the button. Or the
2: vibration. Or there's a yeah. soft vibration. Yeah.
1: You, you can even use that to a certain extent to kind of uh, help people use it. Like, like blind people using a screen or uh, when you want to be able to use a trackpad or something, and still be able to co- sort of see what's on the screen, on that screen or trackpad, without uh, having to look down at it.
0: Oh, that's pretty cool, yeah. That,
1: that actually was a big factor I, from what I hear in the new Steam controller. Because it does Steam have multiple uh, multiple vibrating motors. With haptic feedback even on the, yeah, with the, even haptic feedback on the trackpads. Wow. That's a big thing. And this is something that you could implement that, that you could use to implement that kind of technology. Okay. I
3: think if something else you could possibly do with it is you could possibly have surfaces that you might grip. That can actually grip back to help you grip them (laughs) Uh, by vibrating. Oh no, you see what I'm saying? Like you are actually.
0: uh, So So like you wouldn't drop your phone. You would hold your phone, and your phone would also change a little bit to fit your fingers better. Yeah, think of it more ergonomic. Right, think of it like you have a series of
3: tiny little little squares, right, and they're all a distance away from each other, and you touch that surface and then those squares move closer to each other, effectively pinching tiny areas of tissue in between. like like yeah. a you'd have like uh, a phone fingerprint. Yeah, and I'm trying to think of a... Of a. There's a bug that does this. There's a bunch of bugs that does this when they walk on surfaces. I just can't think You're of anything. You always they have are. the bug analogies. They're, they're also yeah, because I love bugs. <laughs>
2: Tree frogs?
3: I think Tree it's frogs. Vanderwolves. But it might be that too. It's like a van der Waals thing that they have a little yeah. Little they fibers. have the little hairs that yeah. stick yeah. With van der Waals oh, yeah.
0: interactions. So I don't think this would work on that scale because these are still 100 microns thick. Is still bigger than van der Waals scale. But at least the idea of you know micro shape changes. Yeah, is there? It'd be interesting to see how small you can actually do something like this. How small, small you can small. get the pixels.
1: Yeah, mm. it's, it's a processing
0: thing. It's a scalability. Yeah, thing more than but we, huh. if you have the basic material setup that does it,
1: it's not hard to scale. I don't. think. That's true. That's true. There's at least one application I can think of that I'm really surprised nobody has suggested yet.
2: Well, there were brief moments in my life where I was like, I want to be like a child's toys, like you know, those silly, uh, the weird materials that are like rejected somebody's lab that they gave to kids to play yeah. with, like, like silly putty. Well, silly putty, yeah. gak. Uh, there's this stuff called model magic that you can.
0: Yeah, it's like the foam yeah, play. Yeah, ah, that's, that's Things cool. Things like that. That would be so awesome. I wanted that just, to be
2: my job. Just, you'd have to work
0: for 3M. <laughs> I think they're good at accidental uh, <laughs> commercializing <laughs> accidental discoveries. Uh, yeah. Well, does anybody have a good transition? The government took my money. Yeah. All right. So I'm inviting Ben right now, or I'm calling ben. him.
4: But I'm on the outside, I'm looking at. I can see through you see on your color cause inside you your ugly, you're only like
3: green. I can see through
0: you see to the real Hello Hello Hola. How's it going? All right. Hello. Hello. Okay, Ben, we have. I'm Cameron, and we have uh, Emily. Hi.
4: Alex. Hello. Hello.
0: And Greg is also on Skype.
4: Hi. Yeah. Okay. How's it going, you guys?
0: Pretty good. Okay, now we have Ben Tippett on here. He's a theoretical physicist and a math instructor at University of British Columbia Okanagan, and he is a podcaster. He hosts the Titanium Physics Show, which is pretty cool. great. Yeah, I like it. yeah, it's a good show. I, that's what got me into science podcasting in the first place. I thought all of them were boring before I listened to his show, actually. <laughs> and what we're going to talk about now is uh, the government.
4: Hi, everybody. Hi, oh, there. Okay, so uh, do you want me to lead the conversation, or do you want to question and answer this? How should we uh, do it?
0: Sure, you can lead. You have the most background information, I think, so...
4: Okay, sure. So, um, let's start. You guys, uh, all of you are American, right? Correct, yes. Can you tell me what assumptions you would make about the Canadian science? you think we spend a lot of science, a little bit of science? What do you think it's like up here?
0: We always assumed,
1: it's called, oh. I always assumed that you funded a lot of
0: science, because there's a lot of,
4: uh, especially environmental
0: sciences, that's where yeah. most of the global warming studies come out of, is what it seems like.
4: Right, yeah. Um. yeah uh-huh. Yeah, so the deal is that uh, right, uh Canada First World Nation uh puts lots of money into science. Uh or at least it has historically. We've got we've got a proud record of doing uh fundamental research and uh technological research as well. Um and the deal is that in about 2008, we the government um, led by a certain party and so the this this story it's, it's important when somebody tells you about what's going on in the country to get a little bit of context so <clears throat> In the 90s or so, there were two different conservative part-of-the-spectrum parties in Canada. One was called the Conservative Party, and the other was called the Reform Party, okay? And okay. the Reform Party was from uh, Alberta, which is in the middle of the country, and it's where lots of the oil comes from. So there's lots of money, and there's lots of very um, independent-minded thinkers. And so the Reform Party's chief philosophy was that government should probably everybody alone and that nobody should ever have to pay taxes they're kind of like your tea partiers so the conservatives came into power in a majority government in 2008 and in 2011 2012 i think it was 2011 they uh, were elected to a majority government okay all right and, and so what we've seen broadly is the government doesn't think that anybody who isn't doing research that directly influences industry should have all their money cut but here's the thing: they couldn't stay in power very long if they made this uh, this policy kind of obvious if they stated it as, as policy. So what they've done is slowly move in this direction. I think the various people in power made this made their ideas clear before they got elected uh, in the early 2000s, back when they were on the speaking circuit. But <clears throat> in the big elections, they they kept mum on what their attitudes towards funding and and science were in general. Um, <clears throat> That's pretty interesting.
0: That it seems like that is kind of the opposite of what happens here everybody gives all of their opinions out to the extreme yeah, that's
4: right. I, w- I, w- I was t- discussing this with my wife. I mean, literally, these people stay in power uh, not by flaunting their really right-wing views. Sometimes, uh, in certain places, uh, they do. Uh, when they're in certain circumstances, they'll be really, really anti-gay. But for the most part, they stay fairly neutral because they know that they can only hold on to power if a lot of the Canadians think that there's no harm in having them in power. Um, Interesting. So let me let me just start with uh, a brief fact to, to give you a sense of what the atmosphere is in canada so <clears throat> there is um there is uh, a person in the government a cabinet mr minister, minister who's in charge of science let me see his title is he is the um <clears throat> science minister oh yeah okay, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. he's Some the minister of science, science. <laughs> that's what he's called he's minister of science uh so the deal is that the minister of science put in in around 2008 is a not a scientist he's a chiropractor Oh that's real sounds like right? you're almost a doctor <laughs> right um <laughs> chi- chiropractic isn't yeah it's it's not actually medicine right it's it's crystals so we were sorry, talking about ten- this earlier so yeah. the therapists don't like them. right, right. Uh, and, and, and what's more he's a creationist Oh okay he, he doesn't understand or believe in evolution so that's now, how, the guy was he
0: appointed to this Pardon me Was he appointed to science minister He was
4: appointed by the prime minister that's okay. right <clears> Okay <throat> okay so he just to give you a sense of of what what science funding is in Canada, uh, what what the science atmosphere is like, uh, the 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 best guy they thought to put in the position of you know. Scientist was a guy who doesn't isn't actually a scientist and doesn't believe in science. Okay. Ridiculous. Yeah. They thanks. asked him if he believed in evolution, and he said, "Oh, humans are evolving all the time," which is just a great big, you know. That's what. That's what. You, if you If you asked a kid in grade eleven who fell asleep in class what evolution was, that's the kind of answer he'd give. <laughs> yeah, that's what it sounds yeah. like. Yeah.
0: Okay, so he so, got into power, and then he just decided to fund only science that he supports or
4: yeah the policy's kind of been creeping but in essence that's that's the way it's been going there's several arms for science funding in canada um and most of them over the last six years have gone from being where they just everybody kind of works on whatever they're good at or interested in or can justify (laughs) to um more money is deliberately spending a, a larger portion of the money more importantly is being spent uh on Science that not just has a technological application, but science with ties to industry. So you pretty much need some company to come over, a uh, bombardier to come over and say, Hey, uh, you're working on a new type of metal to make tracks out of. Let's, uh, let's talk. And then you go to the government to get money. So somebody, uh, in my shoes, a physicist <laughs> will, will see less, less money. So the government keeps announcing it tries to be very pro science. It's funded the um, perimeter institute, which is, a. Uh, uh, um, a theoretical physicists physics institute in um, in Ontario. Fantastic! It was started by the guy who uh, who made a, a billion dollars starting BlackBerry, and so he he dumped a ton of money into this basic physics research. So the government's really fond of really high, uh, really noticeable, high prestige funding. Uh, for science, so it'll give lots of money to people who will make the news, but not very much money to the sciences in the tr- scientists in the trenches. Um, it, it, it's pretty complicated. Uh, there, there, there's more than one way to go at exactly what they're doing, but there is a there's a big funding organization called NSERC. that stands for uh, <clears throat> National Sciences and Engineering Research Council. And what they do is they distribute money from the government in the form of grants to different scientists in in, in universities. Right? Okay. So, so, give so you that's just m- like
0: The NSF NSF here? Yeah, that's right.
4: So this organization's job is to, you know, distribute funds. And usually how it happens is the scientists kind of... The the, the council finds scientists to sit on these these committees and then decide amongst the scientists who should get the money. Um, So the federal government's done two things that are kind of heinous. first one is that it decided to give... It said, okay, we're going to increase your budget, but there the total amount of that money that's going into uh, basic research is going to dr- be dramatically increased. And what we're doing is we're going to subsidize uh, private research, research that industry should be doing for its own sake. Um, so there is a big chunk of that. So it looks like it's dramatically increasing the funding in science in Canada, but that's actually kind of a misnomer. What it's actually doing is decreasing the amount of basic science funding and then dramatically increasing the amount of, of private, uh, of fund as some kind of private component to it. Um, and the second thing it did is it, it kind of, you know, when it, when it, the government gets to a point ahead of the, 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 uh, the NSERC. Committee. Uh, So when it it chose, it appointed the head of it, it appointed somebody who, you know, had the opinions of the government in mind. And part of those involves kind of restructuring the way science, the the big check that this government gives gets cut up and who it goes to. And it's been deliberately doing it in such a way. And I know lots of physicists who are right pissed off with this. It does it in such a way that the people, really big organizations like the University of Toronto or the University of British Columbia, really big universities Mm -hmm. that have really high profile people, the people that make the news with the, the next big thing, they get huge amounts of money, lots of support. But science is, for the most part, something that inches forward bit by bit. It's not really something that progresses by virtue of really brilliant people. Um,
0: Yeah, it wouldn't work if you only funded MIT and Harvard. Yeah, that's right.
4: uh, Lots of the progress comes from essentially lots of smaller people in smaller universities doing their research. It's not necessarily the most expensive or best research, but it needs to get done, shoring up the edges, making sure all the lines are straight. And sometimes you get a really good result out of people like that. So the government is cutting their funding. And what... I mean, it it doesn't mean that the funding that the the university professors are starving, but this grant. Money gets gets to things like hire new faculty. It goes into things like um, hire like uh, hiring postdoctoral researchers, say. And so lots of these independent, these smaller universities can't hire their own postdoctoral. They say, "You know, so I'm a postdoc. I say, hey, can you hire me?" And they say, "No, we don't have any money. Why don't you go to the NSERC people themselves to get money?" And sure enough, the NSERCs decided that it's going to give very large uh, grants, very high prestigious grants to, to postdoctoral researchers, with the caveat that fewer post. Doctoral researchers get to get these really high-profile grants. Oh,
0: wow, that so, doesn't
4: make sense. You have to yeah
0: know who's right. going to make the science or make interesting science ahead of time.
4: That's right. So in essence, I mean, it's very um, it's very prestigious. It makes it makes the scientists who have done very good science in the past. It, it really supports them, but it, it it fails to acknowledge the the fundamental structure that that science is kind of a social thing. Yeah. That that uh, advancements are made through the contributions of all the little people instead of the you know all the little ants instead of the supernovas, are the the people who who do all the really backbreaking work in the science. And if they're underfunding them, what's going to happen is, over time, if this keeps up for decades, uh, science in Canada is going to get kind of starved out in terms of basic research. Um, so that's that's the atmosphere it's it's pretty crummy, but uh there were protests recently uh that that, that you asked me to address yeah,
0: that's what I really wanted
4: to about, talk about the mu- the muzzling of and and how they've treated federal scientists and the deal is that the federal government uh through various uh you know wings of it does a variety of research they do a lot of environmental research uh they do a lot of biological research they do a lot of climate change research and the thing about this government it comes from Alberta like I said the really oil rich part of canada um the the uh, the prime minister, he's never stated it explicitly, but implicit in almost everything he says in public is that the oil that's drawn out of the ground in Alberta is the most important thing in Canada.
0: Is it? Is so it, How how much money is that really for the economy? Is it?
4: It's well, people. It's 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 a very. I think it's actually pretty small. I think it's less than 10% of the overall economy of Canada. But um he he really likes it and everybody's talking about it. Specifically everybody's talking about the oil sands. Have you heard of the oil sands? Yeah, that's the oh, pipeline
0: yeah. that goes through Canada coming yeah. to the
4: United States, right? Yeah. Well, I technically the, the, the tar sands. Every, everybody well, yeah. calls them the oil sands to, to kind of whitewash the fact that it's I mean it's it's essentially this tarry muck. It's the same stuff that they put, you know, they seal the cracks in the uh in pavement with Technically, I think it's called pitch and not tar, so it's like the pitch sands, but everybody called them the tar sands until these government guys came in and started calling them, oh, they're they're the oil sands because we get Mm -hmm. oil out of them. (laughs) So the process of extracting... Like usable petroleum from from the ground when when essentially it's this mix-up of, of this gunky petroleum with, with sand and, and stuff. The process for extracting that's really different than the process that you use to get crude oil out of the ground where you just dig a hole. You kind of have to scoop it out with, you know, put it in the back of a truck and then take it to be refined and then they do all this weird processing and it's fairly expensive. Um, so oil sand production goes up and down depending on the price of oil. So uh, in the last 10 years, the oil sand production Jumped really high back when in the early 2000s when oil suddenly oil oil sand production was was profitable but then when when oil, in two thousand and eight when the um, when the price of gas tanked and it became really cheap suddenly it wasn 't profitable enough to extract oil from the oil sands and the northern alberta economy tanked
0: okay
4: and it's it's a ridiculous yeah. thing so yeah uh, Stephen Harper is obsessed with uh, maintaining uh, the current levels and maybe increasing the levels of production in northern alberta and to do that he needs to um, get a pipeline through because as it stands they're selling oil uh, for less than uh, less than market price because the only people we can sell them to are in the Canadian market and, and, and the Americans so yeah that- pipe out to the ocean then we could sell it to anybody in the world <laughs> so that's essentially why they're trying to build a pipeline through the United States they're also trying to build a pipeline that goes east that will go out through the Bay of Fundy and there are also plans to build a pipeline going west across the Rocky Mountain and everybody hates all of these pipelines because they're all kind of bad ideas because yeah, yeah I mean there's the people running these things aren't the most trustworthy of people they tend to lie a lot and the oils the, the the product that they're shipping through the pipeline it doesn't stay on the surface of water like it's denser than water so it sinks to the bottom whenever there's a leak so if there's a leak near a river the the gunk will hit the ground and then sink to the bottom of the river and the the only way to clean it out is to dredge the river, right. the river. out the bottom like it's ridiculous uh and so they, 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 there's all these plans to expand it and stephen harper the the prime minister uh he really wants it to go through because he knows that um doing so will make the people who support him lots and lots of money so um the deal is that he, unless uh people aren't noticing how disastrous it is disastrous it is for the environment and also, uh, it won't go through if people notice that the climate is changing too quickly, as it is, uh, and he dramatically cut... The, the federal government oh, wait, is dramatically... Hang on a second, cut. we're losing you. Okay.
0: Okay, so they're, they're trying to hide the fact that the...
4: Oh, okay, so they're trying to hide the fact that the, the oil sands development is really, really bad on the environment. Okay. Um, and so what the federal government has been doing is it's been cutting funding to stations right because if everybody says hey global warming is real maybe we shouldn't be exploiting the tar sands yeah. uh that will shut the tar sands down if we say hey uh you can't build a pipeline in this particular area because if there's a leak you'll devastate the stream it goes down if we it'll, it'll get shut down if we say hey you can't process the uh the the waste products of of oil extracted in northern alberta the way you're currently doing it because it's polluting all the rivers around it it'll get shut down or at least it'll slow the, the oil companies down they'll have to do a little bit more of environmental impact studies so the government's put through a lot of legislation that's kind of deregulated the environmental watching, you know, the the oh environmental no, okay. monitoring system, right? So it's no longer illegal to dump a can of paint in most Lakes and 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 rivers in Canada. It was really at, at one point in time. Yeah, right. Obviously, you can't just pour turpentine in the river. Yeah, that's... Uh, but but now <laughs> it's legal. So he's 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 gone from all of the waterways in Canada being environmentally protected to only a list, a short list of them. And most of the items on the list are kind of place recreational lakes that people have cabins on. Recreational huh. lake that rich people have cabins on. Okay, oh. so,
1: well, I mean, it's aren't, there, there, aren't Not there... in my
4: backyard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, no. not not in my big donor's backyard. Really, yeah. it's it's pretty crazy. Um, in addition to that, he's been closing research stations, defunding uh, research uh, groups that do uh, environmental research or environmental assessment or research on. There's there was a big. Let me see if I can remember the name. Uh, several laboratories got cut. Um, there's something called the Polar Environmental Atmospheric Research Laboratory, right up north. Okay. Yeah. They no monitor global warming. Cut. Doesn't exist anymore they killed off the environmental assessments act they killed off they do massive cuts to to fisheries and oceans the Make sure that all the fish are still alive. Cut, right? Cut all these environmental, federal environmental protection programs. There was a, there was an, in Ottawa, in, sorry, in Ontario, in the province of Ontario that had, did research on small, on lakes, essentially. Huh? And, and they, they, over the last several decades since they've been open, they came up with lots of interesting results about, say, how pollutants spread in lakes and how long it takes a lake to be clear, clear itself of pollutants. Uh, so that was a federally funded laboratory. It yep. got its cut, right? So there's a kind of a theme here, which is climate change, environmental protections. He's been defunding them. In addition to that, there are laws that say, or there, there are policies that say the federally funded scientists, so the scientists working for these federally run uh, laboratories aren't allowed to go to international conferences to speak unless they have approval from the government. So this is the muzzling that everybody's talking about. Essentially the government saying, "Hey, you might have just done research on climate change and you might definitely be able to say without a doubt in your mind that the you know that the earth is warming. You can't go to a conference and tell anybody about it."
0: Now is that is that only these environmental scientists or is that everybody who works for the
4: I think the policy says that everybody who works for these national research organizations. In fact, they closed one of these organizations and one of the pe- one of the collaborators with it was and, scientists. and the government of Canada told him to to hush up, and he pretty much said, hey, I'm an American, you can't tell me what to say. And he wrote <laughs> a great big FU article that got published in all these journals. And yeah, it's they're kind of out of control. And you can tell that it's entirely because they know that they're doing it very slowly. Um, and nobody in the public, in the voting public's really going to notice, unless you're a scientist, that, that, that science of Canada is kind of dying by a thousand little cats. Wow. And they're also, you know, um, they're, they're also doing it because they don't, they see no inherent value in it. I think these people don't think that there is, uh, anything like empirical proof in the world. They think everything's an opinion, and maybe they think that environmentalists are just saying the things they do because they got yelled at as children or something. They don't understand that there's an <laughs> inherent value To environmental protection so they're like well industry can grow a lot more if we gut all these environmental laws why don't we do it and
0: how do they not how are people forgetting all these things that they grew up with though Because I mean if if you look at these people who were probably in the government now they would have been around when at least in the United that was probably around the time in the United States when all the environmental laws started being enacted when people started noticing oh hey this uh, little town down river of a factory, everybody is dying
4: of yeah, crazy yeah. diseases. Right, like, there was that river that was on fire. Right. Yeah, the river. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or, so these are things. Even if you defund the research, people should still notice. Hey, it's not okay to dump poisons and industrial waste and paint.
4: Yes, it's true. Um, the the thing about Canada though is that it's very sparsely populated. Most of the population lives along the American border. Okay. And most of the yeah. rivers kind of flow, uh, yeah, in most of Canada they kind of drain. I think, at, you know, speaking in broad strokes, most of the rivers drain in directions opposite from where people are. Um, so if all of the oil sands, they're dumping lots of stuff in the river. Native people who live near the river, so organizations representing n- native group interests, are complaining about them. But nobody listens to what native people have to say in Canada because we're racist. At least yeah. the federal government does. Um,
2: no, that here either. Um, is, yeah, same <laughs> yeah. So some people are noticing are.
4: and complaining, but the vast majority of people who live in Canada aren't close enough to the effects of 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 any of the environmental pollution that that they would complain um so there's a little bit of that i think the government is also the people involved in the government right now kind of belong to a philosophy that says that you know um people should be allowed to do what they want industry should be allowed to do what they want the government has no place regulating things like this philosophically they don't believe in the government's role to regulate things which is really dangerous in fact it's frankly i'm a little bit by the fact they didn't campaign on that policy. The nice thing about Tea Partiers is they, they, they mean what they say, and they say what they mean. Exactly. So, you know, you know what you're voting for, because the guy's been talking about how much he hates gay people.
1: Oh, wait, at like, uh, half the time they don't even enact the, some of the budget stuff that they yeah, do. Well,
4: thank goodness. <laughs> well, I mean, your government's shut down right now, so yeah. they're oh, doing yeah, what that. they can. But, uh, I mean, the, the, these current uh, you can't assume that most Canadians support this these these policies, I, there's tacit support, I guess, because we're not in the street burning the Parliament down. but yeah. um, you can't assume that they've supported the policies even though they've elected them because the, the people running for election in this case, they spent absolutely no time on the campaign trail talking about what their personal policies were. So are, are
0: scientists really the only yeah. ones noticing this? are, are there I mean, is, is everybody aware that the these research policies are changing? I know that uh, there were the science protests recently. That's what kind of prompted this.
4: That's right. Well, I mean, so th- these things get reported on the, uh, the the Canadian news network, so the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. Okay. It's um, so I've heard. I think it was like uh, Rush Limbaugh or somebody called it a uh, like an arm of the Canadian government, but it's not. It's <laughs> a it's it, it's its object is it's called a crown corporation. So it's a corporation who exists. Uh, by virtue of government decree, but okay. it runs independently of the government, so it, it has its own policies, even though the government gives it money in this in this case. Uh, similar so they, to the BBC, though. yeah, similar to the BBC. So the. Um, so the, the CBC has reported on it. Some national newspapers, there are only a few, have reported on it. But media in Canada is, it's another very frustrating thing. Um, I guess
0: that's why you need more podcasts, right? Yeah,
4: yeah well, I, that's, <laughs> I've been saying that for years. So the deal is the CBC has been reporting on it, and some of the national newspapers have been reporting on it, but not very many. Um, it's not but, seen as a big deal. It's not seen as a big deal, and because a few people are calling the shots in terms of editorial content, suddenly everybody who's speaking to most people think it's not a big deal. It's kind of a ridiculous situation where we've got media, media concentration has led to the fact that nobody knows what's happening in terms of the government's misdeeds unless you listen to the CBC, which is getting fairly frustrating. You can tell the people doing the reporting are like, why isn't anybody picking up? Night after <laughs> night, we talk about science degrading. Yeah. The, the, nobody's nobody's taking the, uh, the federal government to task on this. It's unfortunate that everything's so political. I don't like to come on these science podcasts and tell about, talk about yeah. the political system, but they mm-hmm. had a minority yeah. government. And what that means is they're beholden to the other parties. They can only exist as a government as long as the other parties don't gang up and vote them out. Um, and so they couldn't do things that were as extreme as they're currently doing back then in terms of cutting uh environmental regulators because if they got too crazy with it all the other parties would gang up and vote them out but now they're in a now they're in a position where they have a majority it's going to be another 2 years of dramatic cuts. We'll see if there are any scientists with any money by the time this is all over. Wow.
0: Okay. Now, does this muzzling really prevent, I mean, you mentioned the the one American scientist who wrote a big article, but does the muzzling really prevent somebody from just writing everything up and posting it on their blog?
4: It does. If you do, you'll get uh you'll lose your job.
0: Okay. All right. right well,
4: that's and science jobs serious. are hard to is when there's massive science cuts, I mean, in the United States, there are these crazy science cuts right now. Like the world is full of Ronin scientists. <laughs> no, <funny. laughs> yeah. um, but the uh, but yeah. So jobs are precious in this day and age, and you'll have somebody in maybe a senior position. Uh, on the one hand, you'll they'll feel like it's their responsibility to report the science that they the results they've come up with. But if they do, they risk uh, being made an example of, and they'll lose their job. And it's while it would be nice if we could see hear lots of people sacrificing themselves for the sake of of, of bringing the message forward, I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, I think it's unreasonable to expect someone. And it's not like there aren't people already discussing the science. It's not like that American guy made all that many waves in Canada when he when he yeah. spoke against the uh, the muzzling of federal scientists. If, if if you did manage to be a whistleblower uh, and bring your data forward and say your results, everybody would nod and smile because they would be the results. Everybody, you know. The, <laughs> Dumping benzene in the river is horrible for fish. Yeah, we know. Uh, You know, the 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 globe is warming. Yeah, we know. And then he would lose his job, right? And it wouldn't be as big an issue as it you know should be if there were justice in the world. Yeah.
0: Okay. So just because most scientific papers aren't so revolutionary, yeah, it wouldn't really matter.
4: Well, I I I'm not sure if they're banned from publishing because I think the government's really concerned with image control. Okay. So, and it knows that no no journalist is going to read a publication. Um but, <laughs> but they true. uh but they're uh they're they're really concerned with, you know, uh, large things like holding a press conference. Uh there were times when people would go out and hold press conferences or you know, phone a reporter and tell them about your research uh, oh. or talk to reporters about your research if they came came calling or, you know, going to an international conference and, and giving a talk. Um and these are the things that that they're not allowed to do.
0: Okay,
4: wow. Yeah. So it's a bummer. That's that's a big,
0: huge bummer. (laughs) That's if they got federal funding?
4: Yeah, well, no, okay. So not if they got federal funding, if they're employed by the government. So if I received an NSERC grant, say, uh, if I was at a university, but got funding from the government, I could still do whatever I wanted. Okay. Okay. So, incidentally, so I tried to find a a Canadian journalist, like a science journalist, to talk to you guys about this today. Yeah. uh, Because you know I'm not the best spokesperson for the journalists. All have their facts lined up in their head, and they're great at telling stories. And obviously, this rambling tale I've told you, not all that linear, (laughs) right? Um, Well, that's what
1: editing is for. Yeah, that's
4: right. (laughs) Uh, But. I found so I talked to some some of my journalist friends. Jur- Canadian journalists don't know about the fact that the NSERC, the National uh, Science Funding or- Organization, has been restructured to cut out basic science. Really? You know, by, to, well, to starve out. They're not. It's not killed it, but it is starving it out slowly. Is that uh, this
0: this this quote says uh, from? John McDougall says scientific discovery is not valuable unless it has commercial value.
4: Yeah, that's essentially what's happening. So it looks like the government is increasing science funding, but they're only increasing science funding if it has commercial value. Demonstrable commercial value, right? Which is the ridiculous. Guy, yeah, they wouldn't find the if if the guy who invented the transistor was doing his work today and hadn't you know if the transistor hadn't been invented, they wouldn't fund it. But you know if he was making a better transistor, they would. So okay. it's like so things the, like
0: what's the the uh, neutrino search? Uh,
4: oh, the Sudbury neutrino observatory. Yes, that uh, one.
0: Well, that's basic what, what, research. Yeah, so yeah
4: there, that is. Mm-hmm. That was
0: a big deal though when that when that happened. That's it was hugely. Hugely cited paper. Everybody, people still talk about the stories today. Oh, certainly. And that's... So that never c- could have happened.
4: Um, well, yeah, okay. So that's a really high-profile thing, and the government really likes high-profile things because they can send a minister down to shake somebody's hand and get its photo taken.
0: Okay. Would it have been beforehand, though? It probably wasn't high-profile until after.
4: Yeah, well, right. Um. So So I'm not sure about how these national... Um, these national laboratories in physics are being funded. I'm not sure whether their funding has been cut all that dramatically. Uh, Canada has a few particle accelerators, uh, a few detectors like this. And um, I'm not sure. I think the government would rather cut all its losses on... Or sorry, cut, uh, cut science in places that nobody's going to hear about it. Okay. And if they closed... Uh, the submarine neutrino observatory. I'm, I don't think the submarine neutrino observatory is running anymore. It might not well, be. I, I don't think I it is anymore. But, um, but it, you know, if it was running and they cut it, that would be big news. And uh, and the prime minister doesn't want the fact that he ate science to be the news. So I don't <laughs> think I think in his calculus, he wouldn't cut something that large, but he might not allow for it to be funded in the first place.
1: Especially because then you have the narrative of, oh, we're trying to have a high
4: standard for research, so we're only going to, you know, fund the higher profile bigger yeah the, the people who've already found fancy things and have really big research groups and it, i mean so part of it's fantastic and he's he's had a lot of photo ops bringing some very impressive scientists into canadian research organizations because he's willing to spend so much money on the superstars but all of the you know all of the basic science and the basic training of scientists is kind of being cut back on okay
0: have you heard anything about the funding going to these uh I guess the easiest way to call them is the fake research organizations that will do that they do politically charged uh, research and come up with a, a result that's <laughs> oh well, favorable to the real. government. Yeah, it happens, it happens here at least. Yeah, there's really? lots of there are a lot of studies that have said global warming is not happening; it's going down, or this doesn't affect anything. Carbon dioxide doesn't matter good for plants, things like that. There's a lot of scientists who will say that. They're certainly the minority, but there are some who do and they get special funding from these uh, interest groups. The only stories that
3: I ever know of are Really ridiculous ones. Like, do you remember the the Nigerian one? The student who who basically yeah. oh, put the- two magnets. Said after studying for many years, I discovered that magnets repel each other when oriented the right way, and that's why being gay is wrong. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that was that was pretty recent. And the whole the whole the university backed it. They were like, "This he's going to win a Nobel Prize, and he's a genius, and it's wonderful. His research is wonderful." <laughs> I was like, "What is going on there?"
4: In Nigeria. <laughs> yeah i believe I it, was it was nigeria that's what happens when you politicize science for a generation or two exactly. right and it's uh i i think a lot of canadians are taking uh their current academic system for granted uh which is it's bad when you take something for granted because then it leaves and then you got nothing right
0: yeah i mean right now canada has really good
4: oh god it was Nigeria. science ed-
0: education yeah in general right and so you once you stop funding it that's not gonna be the norm and
4: yeah, it's not... Yeah, science isn't something that can just go back if you throw a million dollars at it. It's yeah. something that can only grow and thrive if you're willing to spend money over generations.
0: It takes a lot of years to... It does. ...build the yeah. structure infrastructure.
4: Yeah, well, there's a lot of social infrastructure that goes into it. Um, so, you know, what you'll see is there'll be people who can't get any funding to get any graduate students. And then maybe they'll settle down in another country and you won't have the next generation of... of uh, graduate students or or Or
0: those graduate students will get some other job and they won't even go into science then there's nobody around to even be a
4: yeah that's right and if the if the knowledge isn't passed down from essentially uh, teacher to student uh, if the chain gets broken there's you know the only thing you can do is import the country and rebuild it but even that will take a whole bunch of time it's a uh, it's foolish to keep it to keep to to not to cut it in the way they are frankly it's clear like i said the the, uh, the 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 minister of science is a creationist it's it's clear that they don't understand uh the social structure behind science and they don't value uh um, any anything that uh I think I think the argument is reason-based decision making, evidence-based decision making. Like even on the social side, they've been crazy cutting. Like there's a there's, Canada has a census, right? They have a, a Statistics Canada is an organization that runs censuses and keeps very detailed statistics about everybody. And the government decided to cut uh, something called the long form census a few years ago. And the long form census is, you know, essentially they choose one in a hundred people or something, and they have to fill in a very detailed list of you know uh, how much they make and religious beliefs and where they and from this the the canadian government gets all sorts of demographic information about the the, the people in the country and they decided to get rid of this because well who knows why probably because if if a population better information then it will believe rhetoric uh and so it's uh the the whole atmosphere of decision making in canada these days is entirely bananas i don't know guys
3: <laughs> yeah all right well they do that here they they have uh what's a good example is the uh the drug testing every uh social service recipient, like
0: welfare or food stamps. Oh. <laughs> they wanted to you, – you were telling me about the service. Yeah, people, Kevin was, I think Kevin was talking about it. But yeah, there, there are a lot of people who want to run a drug test on every single recipient of uh, welfare or food stamps to make sure that they're not taking any illegal drugs. Yeah. And if oh, they sure. are, they lose it. What and that find? would cost more than giving them the – the food in the first place. I think it was it was about four percent. They found four percent of the people
3: on welfare yeah. uh, lost their their eligibility due to these drug testing, and that's that's ridiculous because those those four percent you lose is negligible in comparison to the amount of uh, the money you save by losing that four percent is negligible in the amount of money that you spend by drug testing everybody. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, they still yeah. think this is a genius idea. Like they don't realize that just. The same result over and over again. It just doesn't work anywhere for the same exact
4: reason. They still yeah, mean, I mean, they just the, the, this ideology doesn't believe in information-based decision making. So if if you know, fine, you have you have a hypothesis. Governing isn't a science, right? So you get well, maybe this policy will work. If you find out that it doesn't, if somebody brings you clear statistics saying that you're crazy, maybe you should change your mind. But they don't.
0: That's probably some people are anti-science; they don't believe in statistics, and or they don't they're, they don't have the background to be able to understand.
4: That's right. That's why we need more science podcasters capturing everybody's hearts. There you go.
0: All right. Well, Ben, <laughs> thanks for thanks for talking to us.
4: Yeah, Thank thanks you very much. much. Thank you. I've, been, I've enjoyed it. Um, good luck with your show, you guys. I really like it. All right. Great. Thank hey, you. Thanks. Okay. Sweet. See you. Thanks. Bye. And me.
2: time to get it's angry at our government it,
0: now yeah so well after ben depressed us about canada <laughs> i was already now, now well, so cold <laughs> it is cold that's why i'm in arizona so we could run away to mexico but i'm not sure science in mexico mm. is much better in some places in some places there's some okay. some big cities are getting some of the mexican yeah. cities are getting really
3: crazy metro like that's now. true that's true uh, I
0: think Guadalajara
3: actually has quite a bit of uh, advancement going on there. The tech industries are starting to get bigger there. It okay. might just be manufacturing, though, but if there's
0: manufacturing, there's probably R&D there. So, so. we have the potential to run away to Canada. Or, I'm sorry, Mexico. to Mexico. Mexico. So after talking about Canada, I guess it's only fair to uh, talk about the mm. stuff that our own government is putting us through. And uh, hopefully it's only temporary, but the, uh, the government shut down. Is kind of messing up research and science for uh, all of us right now.
1: Is that Lisa, why? Guys is that why
3: some weird stuff. things happen to Newmans in our group? Uh, no, no. Okay, that's know. a little
0: bit different. Okay, I won't ask. Forget so it. what? Yeah, the I, I'm sure any American out there knows that right now. Well, hopefully not by the time you're listening to this. <laughs> uh, I think we'll release this in three weeks. So if it's still shut down, that's pretty bad. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the outright collapse of you know the entire what? government. <laughs> Bring right now, on the anarchy. This is the worst anarchy ever because you can't <laughs> even buy a gun. The, you can't buy a gun. No, you can't buy a gun because you can't get a gun permit right now. The oh, organization the that sells or that issues gun permits is shut down. Although that the way it worked is that nothing. there's no background checks. So, so that means nobody will sell you a gun. No, not that nobody will yeah.
3: sell you a gun, but that it means that they can't. Require a background check to send you a gun. They that's still how I do. It works, no, they major. still
0: do. It's still the law that there has to be a background check.
2: Enough time has not passed in order for complete anarchy where yes. everyone just goes laws?
1: <laughs> so right now, it's does this first. mean? Does this mean we'll finally have a boom in three D printed lower gun receivers? Because well, <laughs> <laughs> that was okay. like the one part that's the, actually regulated. The
0: FBI is still active, and the NSA is still active, so they're still uh, listening to this podcast as we record it. Yes.
1: <laughs> I'm not going such guys to do anything. I'm just saying there's people out there who probably are like, yes, let's make guns now. Oh, there are. From scratch. There
3: are. From 3D printer. Make, if I had to make, like, Mad Max apocalypse weapons, first thing I would build is just,
0: like, a saw blade catapult. What about that boomerang? Yeah. The kid with the boomerang in Mad Max was the best. Yeah, yeah. but boomerang is hard to use. But that kid do, did it. He was a little kid, and he yeah, was cutting probably, people's heads off with boomerang. That's because he grew that's up, what up what in the back. wild ass.
3: Like wasteland desert where they're in Australia just, they're
0: just brutal, crazy junkyard people, That's of course true. he's got mad well. skills <laughs> everybody knows everybody in the United States at least should know that the government is shut down, so the reason is that the House and the Senate have not agreed on a bill, so on October first, there was no more money to be allocated to government resources, so everything that is not essential or what did they call it not
2: yeah it is non-essential government. but non-essential is the not
0: the legal word. Oh, whatever. not every non-essential thing is shut down. Right. So that means all of the <clears throat> nearest to my heart is that NASA is shut down completely 97%. almost almost completely. So NASA is uh, it's pretty important, I would say. Uh, we spend a lot of money. We spend almost zero point one percent of our entire budget. Uh, (laughs) which is ridiculous that it's that low. But it's still a lot of money. We spend a lot of money, and we do very, very important science with NASA. I mean, even on the last show, we talked about Voyager leaving the solar system. But right now, there's nobody there to look at Voyager's data. So Voyager's out there sending back data. Nobody is looking at it, analyzing it, or anything. Uh, Even the the Mars rover, uh, Curiosity, that is only has like a short mission time is on mars driving around doing science it doesn't really have that long before it'll stop working hopefully it lasts as long as phoenix did Uh, but that is shut down completely it's in standby mode there's nobody controlling it it's we sent it all the way to mars and then we just decided oh sorry you just sit there and rot basically to waste time while while the government figures out its stuff.
1: Isn't that the one that's partially powered by a nuclear battery
0: kind of thing? I think they all are partially. Hmm. Uh, no, no,
1: maybe not. I I just I'm it looking it up. Those. Oh, power source! So it's powered by radioisotope thermoelectric generator. Okay, like thermal. the Viking One, and Viking Two landers. Awesome.
0: Phoenix was not. Is it? Phoenix was at least partially solar because that was part of quiet diet. But it did. Last oh, time.
1: Phoenix was that was that stationary one, wasn't it? I forget.
0: It's issue with solar.
1: Spirit and Opportunity were...
0: Covered with dust. ...solar
1: powered, right? And the little tiny one that was in the 90s? On Mars. Uh, I
3: don't fan. know for sure. Just have a fan. <laughs> yeah. You have a reserve battery that you recharge a battery that in the event that the power falls too low, but if there's also low dust way. storms that
0: last, like, months. you can wait. I can wait.
1: <laughs> but then if it gets covered by... And sand and then it's basically screwed. Yeah. yeah, I see. Even the boaters
0: yep. and stuff will be full oh, of I sand. That's that's tough for it. Yeah,
1: Curiosity. Yeah, it's got like no solar panels. It's all just radio Yeah, can you imagine riding like like an ATV on Mars? Oh, that'd
0: be awesome.
1: That low gravity or a Ooh, motorcycle geez. like a dirt
3: bike on Mars. The yeah. only issue is though is that like. uh... I don't think there's enough oxygen really
0: for us to burn like fuels. As soon as you just can- need an oxygen tank for your car, or you just yeah. not use an internal combustion engine. It's true, electric. you could just use an electric electric motor. Yeah, there's yeah. electric motorcycles now.
3: Yes, there are. There are. Some of them are really good. Have you ever heard of the the impulse? I have not. Bra- Bramo Bramo is a company that makes electric motorcycles, and they are great.
0: Okay. Good lord. So curiosity, very sad. It's on standby, and it has this. It has a thermoelectric radio-thermoelectric battery. So it's it's going to run out, and that's when the mission is ending, when the battery dies. And right now, it's not doing anything. It's just sitting there, gathering dust, and not doing anything at all. Uh, all of the, the Twitters for, for all of the NASA missions are shut down, too. And actually, part of my, my favorite, or one of my favorite parts about this, was looking at the sign-off Twitters for some of them. So, my favorite uh, tweet for this was the NASA Voyager 2 spacecraft, or space shuttle, right before it shut down, tweeted, farewell humans, sort it out yourselves. <laughs> uh, pretty awesome, because good. it's it's leaving the solar system pretty soon. Well, maybe not pretty soon, but it's, it's headed out that way, and they are uh, shutting down the, the control <laughs> center for it. Right now, that Twitter oh, account is actually suspended, so I don't know why. Suspended? But, yeah. They're making a
3: big deal out of this whole government... Sh- it's not even... The government uh, shutdown is not just about, oh, there was no budget or we need to figure out. It's literally, they're trying to make an example. They're trying to prove some kind of point or something.
1: Oh, yeah. They actually tried really? shutting down uh, the Mount Vernon Plantation, Jefferson's old place. Really? Uh, the cops showed up to do that, and then they found out, oh, this whole place is privately funded. Oops. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cute. I think it's... It's ridiculous,
0: the things that they're doing.
2: How can this be resolved?
0: How can it be resolved? Uh, If John Boehner, all he has to do is agree to, to let them vote. Because right now there are enough Republicans in the House who are willing to pass a budget, including the Affordable Health Care Act. Okay. It's just he will not. There's a very small core group of the
1: Republicans that don't uh, that won't that Don't me. want anything. They've been actually blocking the joint conference. That's normally supposed to happen once both chambers have passed a version of the bill. Yes.
2: Okay. That's what I wasn't clear on. I was like, okay, it's happening, but um, how do we stop?
1: Yes. So how do we not
2: get to Mad Max levels of anarchy?
1: Right now it's at levels of...
2: this would be booming for you, Alan. I'm
0: telling you. Sure. Yeah, everyone would be buying I mean, crazy leather. I got guns. no guns. <laughs> no, but they just crazy leave leather, leather outfits that are, are the most important part of the apocalypse. That's how you get the guns <laughs> and the motorcycle. And the motorcycle. Okay. Does anybody have anything to say about this?
2: Other than that, we're upset and hope we're that everybody just gets over it. Very
0: upset. So we're right now, all right,
3: and I'm angry and I don't know why.
0: Yeah. So I so right now, there's a lot of people who probably aren't affected by the government shutdown. Uh, it's business as usual for everybody who isn't non-essential but it turns out science is one of those non-essential things and that's very bad so what's happening right now in in science is that all of nasa is shut down uh, like we talked about so that means that the even the iss is almost at or is is at like minimum operation level nasa's not communicating with them thankfully it's international so uh, (laughs) the other countries are still doing their stuff but just not the united states part and
1: so, real mature America. Yeah,
0: yeah, real mature. Cuz this is this is an important thing. We have astronauts in space right now who if the if the shutdown goes on, NASA has to send an emergency shipment up of food. They have a contingency plan ready, but right as of right now they're not supposed to send anything. They're not supposed to send any more equipment or food or anything unless they have this unless they do this emergency contingency launch or whatever. So that's shut down. Curiosity rover is shut down, which is super important. Nobody's recording data from Voyager or nobody's looking at it. That's super important. That just left the solar system. There's, a, I'm sure there's a lot of interesting stuff happening right now. They'll be able to look at the data. They'll back. be able to look when at that data, back but not, from, not the data <laughs> from the Curiosity rover. Because that's not actually collecting it's data. It's not collecting data. They've right. shut it down. Right. Because that that one's man con- man controlled or right. human controlled. What a job to drive a moon yeah. over oh, from be awesome. control from Earth. Except oh my God. that there's a fourteen minute lag time. Between you gotta plan it and move. Yeah. So okay, tell it, it, it and to moves. go there, wait, it's there, wait it's there. there yeah. you go. Fourteen minute one way. Right. Lag, so yeah, twenty
3: eight
1: minutes. Anyway. So that's that 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 stuck in yeah. a first person shooter. <laughs> oh man.
0: Talk about latency
1: for <laughs> nope. you, you finally get to move your head around, and
3: the game's over. What if there's aliens on Mars, like, right behind it all the time? We don't know. We'll
2: never know. They're just looking at it. They're just standing behind
3: it, and they know exactly what it is and how it works. And they're standing there, and they're going, huh. When this thing starts to move, all we have to do is slowly remain behind
1: it. it They'll never know we're here. We can just
0: watch. Yeah, just move the cities. Maybe their cities can move
1: fast enough that nobody can... But well, you can probably have it set to, uh, you can probably uh, like give it a, a specific instruction to say, do a quick 360 degree scan <laughs> right now. Do you
0: think they've done that? To make sure Bigfoot's not hiding behind them? You saw the picture Big of Bigfoot. Bigfoot on Mars, didn't you? I didn't, but I believe Probably. That. There's a picture, I'm going to pull it up right now.
3: Oh god, <laughs> I you have see seen it? this. Yeah, That's awesome. <laughs> so the question becomes: What actually is it? It's a rock. It's a rock. Wow, it really but looks you see like a what person. You want to it really see. looks like Bigfoot. Yeah, I wouldn't say it looks like Bigfoot. It looks like a humanoid figure. Oh yeah, very, very, very strongly like a humanoid figure. Yep. And here's the face on Mars. Let me see that. Wow, Oh, that I've seen before.
0: Oh, <laughs> this—the day that it was shut down, the government. Funny enough, well, it's not. Money. It was NASA and the National, and Yosemite National Park's birthday, Aww. technically. Okay. That's because they were started on October 1st, the first day of funding. So, of course it was, but it's just ironic. Yeah, it's a little ironic. But, um, yeah. grants,
2: grants. So, grants. Is it, is all of these, it, the NSF
0: right now is shut down. So anybody who works for a university, you the way you get your money is mostly from through grants. You write up your grant proposal, apply, they agree, <laughs> And if your grant was supposed to be funded on sent during the shutdown, you don't have any money. So that means you're at a university, or you're a professor, or a grad student, or an undergraduate researcher even. You are not getting your money. In addition to that, <laughs> you can't even access the documents about your proposal that are on the website. Even the website com- is completely shut down. So you can't download anything... Any of the information about that, and Alex, you even had problems with yeah. that, didn't you? I can't use NIST. Yeah, Alex needed some doc- some documents from the NIST about for uh, some of the measurements he was trying to make. Yeah, just
3: just standardized standardized methods for uh, doing certain types of measurements. Because I was trying to teach that high school student some things,
0: but you couldn't access them couldn't because access the NIST yeah. website is down. And these are documents that you, I mean, scientists need to be able to have access to all yeah. the time. Especially if you need access to your research documents, because if you have a a review coming up soon, you have to know exactly what you need to meet by the certain deadline. And if you hadn't downloaded the document for this sh- government shutdown, you can't get it until it's until the everything is sorted out. Um, some other scare, another scary thing that's shut down is the C D C. Oh yeah, Center that. for Disease Control is shut down. That apparently is too many that's
2: yeah. everybody wash your hands yeah. a lot right now. I don't wash my hands. <laughs>
0: <laughs> So apparently that is not essential. This would be a really crappy time to have the Black Plague or something. Oh, yeah. Any no, plague or zombie outbreak or the flu. Oh, the CDC would do anything do. about zombies. Well, Come whatever. On. We've all seen the movies. You ha- you've seen the, the you've read the, the CDC zombie contingency plan, though, haven't you? They have one, really. Yeah, there's an official zombie contingency plan. It was like an a education exercise to teach people about any disease outbreak. They're basically the same, mm-hmm. but they did one a few, two years ago about zombies. So we'll, well, I guess we can post a link to that, too. It's kind of cool. Um, in addition to all the zoos and all the federal zoos and the Smithsonian, all of that is shut down, too. So, I mean, it's kind of – it's affecting scientists a lot more than it's affecting a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of these people – there's a lot of professors just sitting around. They have nothing to do because they can't do their research because they, they haven't gotten their money or the, that they were supposed to get on that day. Yeah. And it's hard because you plan everything around getting things on exactly this day. Need it then yeah. because you have to spend sixty thousand dollars on that day, and you can't you can't do it. Uh, so this is this is messing up a lot more than just the Affordable Health Care Act.
2: As a student that's kind of in the interim from project to project, I'm looking for professors to work with. I am um, am a little concerned about will I be paid research? Will I be able to work with anybody?
1: Yeah. Will
2: they want to hire a grad student right now <laughs> they can't even pay the ones that are, they already have in their laboratory?
0: Yeah, it's kind of scary. So hopefully this doesn't last very long, but I don't know.
2: Then we'll, we'll have to rely on private funding instead. Yeah. We already discussed how that goes.
0: Mhm. Anybody have anything else to say about this?
2: Nope, it sucks, and I want it to be done.
0: All right. Pretty much. So government, get your act together, please. Just... Just just stop being stupid.
3: Yeah, come on. Stop being full of stupid people.
2: Let us go back to work so we can make all those gadgets that you love so much. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Everybody (laughs) just stop yelling at each other and just (laughs) stop killing each other. And then we could all have space colonies and we could all be doing like crazy stuff. We spend all of our war money on space and, and, and technology instead. We have awesome solar panels everywhere. No energy problems. We probably have cures for cancer and AIDS, and we have amazing things that probably, are way, but, way well, more than... But, I mean, but right
0: now, science funding is less than 1% of the federal budget.
3: That's pretty ridiculous, it's considering crazy. that we spend, you know, $100 billion on a tank or something like that, yeah. and we can't spend $100 billion on, you know... Any renewable energy for everybody?
0: Yep, it's, it's like ridiculous. <laughs> and people like to make jokes of, or people, there are whole books published about stupid things, stupid research projects that the government's funded, which is fine. But the total government spending, research spending, is nothing compared to the rest of the budget. Right, right.
3: So and the, the stupid projects were probably a tiny portion of the total science spending. Um, yeah, absolutely. And the total science spending
0: goes negligible. Yeah, and even those stupid projects almost always give valuable research. I mean, you don't apply for a grant if it's not going to be valuable. Yeah. You might, but they're not going to approve it. Right. Well, speaking of research that was funded by the NSF that won't be going on right now, (laughs) that wouldn't be going on right now, uh, and something that's a lot less depressing. And stretchable, transparent ionic conductors are awesome. They are. And the government is uh, not so awesome. They're not awesome. Not no. And
3: it doesn't
2: get better in other countries and either. It's no
0: better in Canada. Because
2: everyone is human, yep. and everyone is pretending they're experts and things I, that I think that's, that's why
0: that's we need a Mars. government out of uh, robots or lasers or scientists. Yeah, like a
2: yeah. self-assembling.
0: Yeah. Uh, self-assembling uh, yeah. government, I'm not sure if that that's even better. This no. is why I would say I, I want all the credit for Skynet. <laughs> <laughs> dude would well, thank you for listening to Laser. Um, I want to thank Emily and Alex and Greg for, for being uh, here. <laughs> and thank You're you welcome. to Ben Tippett for uh, letting us call him and he it sounds like he did a lot of research and he gave us a good summary yeah. of the, uh, the situation in Canada. He so did
2: his own entire episode once. <laughs> he, <had>, he handed <laughs> it to <Basically>, us.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We could call him foreign correspondent Ben Tippett. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He sounds like he's from Minnesota. <laughs> well, I mean, I so. that's what I told you. You sound just like
1: a Canadian, Greg. I'm surprised we made it this far without anybody mentioning that.
0: <laughs> All right. So, again, thank you for listening to Laser. Uh, if you want to send us any comments about this or any past or future episodes, uh, you can send us an email at contact at com. You can leave a comment on the website at laserpodcast.com. Uh, We aren't on iTunes still when we're recording this. We will be when it's released. But we are on the Stitcher app. So if you want to listen to the episodes without going to the website and downloading them, the Stitcher app is a great way to do that. Uh, You download the app to your phone or iDevice or computer, or just go to the website, and it streams the episode to you uh, right then. You don't have to download anything. So listen to us and <laughs> leave us comments you can find us on twitter we are at laser podcast also facebook and google plus so if you like us or plus one us there that's cool too and thank you hope you had fun yeah all sure. right appreciate it on the yep okay mm-hmm. i guess we're good okay <laughs> Cool. thanks for listening this has been episode four of let's agree science and engineering or rad or laser the material science podcast Please send any feedback, complaints, or corrections to contact at laserpodcast.com, or you can leave a comment on the website. You can follow us on Twitter, at laserpodcast and like us on Facebook or Google+. You can find us on both Stitcher Radio and in the iTunes podcast store, where you can give us a rating or leave comments for any other potential listeners. Our intro music is Open from the band Crying, and our outro music is Dreams Are Maps from The Wild. You can find more information about this show in the show notes on the website. Thanks. Bye.
1: I
3: didn't hear that. <laughs> so do you have any stairs I can fall down? Stairs I can fall down. Just in the mood to fall down a flag or two of stairs.
1: Yeah. Well... Then stories get stuck in your head because of lasers. Lasers. Because laser.
0: This is the laser podcast, Greg. Because of misshapen brain cells.